0: The Gospel of Mark, the 13th chapter, beginning at the 24th verse. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven the word of the lord thanks be to god i would speak to you in the name of god father son and holy spirit amen well friends this is our uh, last day to be together uh, my last day to be together with you in this virtual format Again, I just want to reiterate, I'm deeply honored to participate in this remote way uh, in the Lenten Preaching Series, which is uh, something I've been privileged to be a part of in the past and uh, think so highly of. It's it's nourished my own uh, spiritual life uh, over the years. So uh, I miss you. I miss being there in person, and I look forward to the time that we can be reunited. May God bless you, the Cathedral Church of the Advent. Uh, You're very much in my heart in these days. May God give us all uh, a blessed Holy Week uh, together, even as we're physically distant from each other. Well, during Holy Week, as he moves slowly, inexorably toward the cross, Jesus talks at length with his followers. And shortly after his symbolic judgment on the temple, which I preached about on Monday, and his debate with the Sadducees about the resurrection of the dead, which I preached about yesterday, Jesus goes into a long discourse that has often been described as a little apocalypse, a little miniature version of Revelation uh, right there in the middle of the gospel in chapter 13. In somewhat cryptic terms, Jesus looks ahead to what will happen in Jerusalem after his death and resurrection, and he says this, He says, when you see the desolating sacrilege set up where it ought not to be, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. The one on the housetop must not go down or enter the house to take anything away. The one in the field must not turn back to get a coat. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not be in winter. Now, it's notoriously hard to know what Jesus is referring to here. Um, It could be that he's predicting the way the zealot fighters occupied the temple in the lead-up toward the sack of the city in in AD 70. Um, It could be that he's thinking of the time when Titus, uh, the Roman general, after the successful siege of the city in the year 70, as the temple is burning, he peers into the Holy of Holies, the place where no unbidden human eye should ever look regardless whatever the case jesus tells his followers that there will be a yet more momentous event even than that if you thought the sack of jerusalem was apocalyptic he seems to say wait until you see what comes next and that brings us to our passage for today in those days after that suffering the sun will be darkened The moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Now with those words, Jesus' perspective seems to shift. He's looking past the destruction of Jerusalem now to a time after that suffering. He's looking ahead, many readers have thought, to the conclusion of history and the end of the world. And the first thing he sees and tells his hearers about it is that it's going to involve a cosmic cataclysm. The sun will go dark. If, if, if you're anything like me and you found the solar eclipse in 2017 a little bit eerie, can you imagine what it would be like to see the sun's light dimming until it finally goes out altogether? It's terrifying. The moon will cease to shine, Jesus says. And the stars will fall as the powers in the heavens are unsettled and displaced. These are images of decreation, of the unraveling of the fabric of the cosmos. Now, it's important to keep in mind, I think, that Jesus' audience probably would have thought of the stars in personal terms, like spirits. Think of how Satan and the demons fall from heaven is described in terms of the falling of the morning star, for example, Isaiah. You, you, you may remember that, that moment in C.S. Lewis's Narnia story, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, when the children encounter a star who looks like a man, Ramandu, his name is, and they're puzzled. Uh, in our world, says Eustace, a star is a huge ball of flaming gas. And Ramandu, the star, replies, even in your world, my son, That is not what a star is, but only what it is made of. The stars, Lewis is not making that up, the stars for ancient people represented cosmic powers, personal powers. One of the earliest uh, Christian interpreters of Jesus' words here in the Gospel of Mark was Eusebius, the, the early church historian. And Eusebius drew a connection between what Jesus is saying about the stars falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens being shaken to what we read in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians about spiritual warfare. Paul says, Our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. According to Eusebius, at the end of history, the cosmic forces of darkness and evil will be undone. They will fall from their heights and be humbled at the appearance of the glory and the kingdom of God. That's how he reads uh, what Jesus is saying there. Now, I'll be the first to say, it can be uncomfortable for modern Christians to think in these kind of mythological ways, but I think we should be honest and admit that this way of speaking is on virtually every page of the New Testament. Jesus and his apostles really believed in personal agents of spiritual evil, Satan and his demonic forces in one of his radio broadcasts during the bombing of Britain in World War II, talk about an apocalyptic time. C.S. Lewis said, one of the things that surprised me when I first read the New Testament seriously was that it talked so much about a dark power in the universe, a mighty evil spirit who was held to be the power behind death and disease and sin. And Lewis is honest. He admits that modern people often have a hard time taking this imagery seriously. We tend to picture a a man in a red suit with goofy-looking horns and a pitchfork and an evil grin. Forget that picture, Lewis advises us, and focus instead on the reality. Enemy-occupied territory, that is what this world is. And Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, you might say, landed in disguise and is calling us all to take part in the great campaign of sabotage. You can imagine how that might have resonated with listeners as they, as they hear the, the bomb sirens going off. Now, personally, I think the world has changed since the 1940s in such a way that people today might actually find it more possible to conceive of evil in personal terms than they did back in the 40s when Lewis was was broadcasting. Think, for instance, about how we talk about addiction. We say that we are gripped by addiction, held captive by it, ruled by it. That's the language of of personification, personified evil agency in the world. Think also about how in this time of the coronavirus, the language of apocalyptic is back on the pages of our newspapers i just read an article about the apocalypse in the new york times we are newly aware of how truly vulnerable we are to powers and agencies and movements at work in the universe that are beyond our ability to control i don't know whether you saw it uh, but at the beginning of march pope francis went to the sanctuary of our lady of divine love near rome where his predecessor Uh, Pope Pius XII had gone to pray in June of 1944 for an end to the bloodshed in Europe, for an end to World War II. And Pope Francis went there, and he begged the Virgin Mary to intercede to her son to bring an end to the coronavirus. Now, I'm Protestant enough to want to go directly to Jesus myself in prayer, but still, I I was really profoundly moved by that sign of faith that we saw there. What I took away from that is we are not simply meant to be wrestling in laboratories and hospitals as as, as grateful as I am for those places and the scientific advances that make those places possible. We are also meant to plead with God to bring Satan and his minions to heal, to intervene in the world, and defeat once and for all the spiritual forces of wickedness that are at work in the heavenly places. And what is the outcome that we're ultimately praying for? The stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Jesus, here in the middle of Holy Week, as he's teaching his disciples, he's looking ahead to the world's end, and he sees the starry hosts falling from their heights. He sees the cosmic forces being toppled from their thrones. And then he says, those enemies of humankind, those powers, will see a human being, capital H, capital B, the Son of Man, foreseen by the prophet Daniel, descending in the clouds. And then... The cosmic forces of evil will be captors in his wake. They'll be part of his his victory procession after the final victory has been won. They will behold him whom they crucify. They will see him coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and they will bend the knee. This is the gospel of Holy Week, friends. Jesus, on his way to the cross, promises that that cross will not be his final end. He will go to his death. He will pass through it. He will triumph over it, and he will emerge victorious on the other side. He will bear our sins and our griefs, and he will bear them away. And he will be crowned with glory and honor. And when he comes again, all viruses, all sicknesses, all sorrows, all poverty, all unemployment, all losses, and even death itself will be defeated. The coronavirus and all other sadnesses will be vanquished. So friends, let's pray this week, even now, for foretastes of that final victory. Let us this week keep company with Jesus as he walks the way to the cross. Secure in the knowledge that his cross is the victory that has overcome the world. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen.